tell you, that was, was that good or what? I'm telling you what, take the flat, get it done. Uh, Matt, you can go ahead and preach too, because you can bring it as well. So that's all I got to say. That was incredible. And that second song, that was new to me. I'd never sung it. Amazing. That is, that is going to become, that is going to become an anthem for me. I can promise you that. So welcome in the name of the Lord. We are in the middle of this series of looking forward based on what we're doing this year. And so I just want to, I, I got a confession. <laughs> so you're already like, this is scary. I just brought somebody about my parents and I'm scared. No, I'm kidding. I have a confession. So when I married Lynette back in the uh, 80s, some of you don't judge me. Uh, hair was very important. Can I get a witness? I mean, and some of you are like, <laughs> Kevin's like, I don't have any, but I, when I did, it was great, yeah. Uh, but my, my point is this, is that hair was, if some of y'all have ever seen the videos, hair was way up high, right? I mean, people would use a lot of hairspray. My wife would have to duck down a little bit to get to the door, you know, it's kind of like, okay, she's not here, so I can say that. But, so... What I've noticed is that I, I, my hair, I, I've always wanted to have long hair. And so I grew it out one time long, and I looked like Scary Jerry. Or, or I mean, it was bad. I, I just, it looked, it looked really bad. Uh, and, and so I remember I said, i got to cut this thing. So when I grow my hair out, when it's short, I look like a Chia Pet. Now, for some of you who don't know what I'm talking about, basically it's this little plant that would grow, and they would put this, porcelain fake animal on it and it would just grow like that it would become like a lamb or something it would just grow out hair my hair goes straight up like it like it would wave to you if I turn around it would wave so my wife I've noticed because she had high hair and stuff like that she still uses hairspray and and so I'll I'll borrow your hairspray don't judge me for some of you that are too cool for school I'm, I'm glad you're like I just use my little gel and my little beard oil that y'all sell and all that stuff that's just great i'm glad you're so manly and and that's great but i and and but i i just find the cheapest way she has it i use it that's just the way it works so the other day i was in there i was like rushing i was trying to, I, I gotta go lord i gotta i gotta go you know so i'm rushing and so i grab her hairspray and so i, I turned around i was like oh wow you know this is like this is her hairspray and I was like, okay. And so I grabbed this hairspray. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I begin to spray it, right? Like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Okay. So I like spray it around. And, and I'm like, this is amazing. This stuff is, it doesn't feel like hairspray, but it's good. And so I'm like, this is, I'm like, I'm like wow. And all of a sudden I look up, I go in the mirror. My hair is white. <laughs> and I said, what is wrong with this? I go back. I said, this is the dumbest. What is my? My wife changed the hairspray that I love, Dove, on me. And I turn around, I look at it, it says Dove, refresh care, fullness and volume, dry shampoo. <laughs> now, I'm just saying, doesn't this look like the hairspray? It's an honest mistake, Logan. It looks the exact, I look like a skunk. <laughs> Oh, what are you doing? Curse you, my No, I'm kidding. And so, uh, I mean, it was just bad. I was going, Lord, what happened? It finally hit me. That, you know what? I looked for something to hold my hair in the place, but I looked and went to the wrong thing. 
Sometimes things that look right are not right. And I got the exact opposite of I wanted, with that what I wanted. Some people look to relationships and they're like, God, you gotta hold this together. You gotta hold this together, and so I'm gonna look in this relationship, or I'm gonna look at this job, or if I just get something new in my life, or if I just have a change in my life. Right? Right? Some of us that live long enough, we want to, sometimes we want a little change, something a little different than the norm. I don't want to live safe my whole life. I don't want life to be like this. And so sometimes we look to something that's kind of close, and we look for something to hold it together, and what we get is the exact opposite of what we look for. And if you live long enough, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes the things you, very expect, that you expect to keep things together are the very things that tear you apart. And so Abraham was at a place in his life and he was looking forward that's our whole word for the year forward we're looking forward right because he calls us everybody in this room is called whether you receive it or not that's on you or me but we're called and so he looked forward look at hebrews eleven ten. let's go back and we we, we use this as a springboard every week hebrews 11 actually i'd like to start with verse 8 through 10 verses 8 through 10 so this is, this is what we hold, hold on to for the whole year. God is calling us to move forward. But when you move forward, you've got to have something to hold on to. Because you're stepping in new territory. By faith, Abraham. This is verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called, that means he was invited. That means God opened up the heavens and said, I want you. And now notice this is in a chapter about faith, which means we're all invited. But that's a whole other story. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was what, saints? And we've talked about that in detail. Can't stay in what you know. Cannot. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in foreign country, in a foreign country. Yes, it's going to feel weird to move forward. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was what, saints? That's it. Looking forward to the city with a foundation whose architect and builder is God. So as we look forward, as we've trailed Abraham, and we're trailing Abraham all the way through until Passion, April 16th, because we know that Abraham's life is our life. There are points in his life that are identical and match wherever you are. You're in school, it matches. Your marriage, it matches. You're retired, it matches. You're in your job, it matches. It matches everywhere where we are. It matches exactly what's going on. Here's what's happening. Abraham was looking forward. But when we look forward, we've got to have something to hold on to. And so now, let's go to Genesis 15. Last week, I heard Jeremy knocked it out talking about Melchizedek. And so as Abraham then gives his sacrifice to Melchizedek, God teaches him something in the midst of that sacrifice in Genesis 14. And 15, God's going to come to Abram. Now, I don't know, I don't know exactly how old Abram is. Abram was, was about 75 years old when God made a covenant with him at, at, in Genesis 12. 
So he's 75 years old. So now at 99, when we get over in a couple chapters, he's going to make, he's going to make a, the third covenant renewal with him, if you will. He's going to renew the covenant with him. And Abram is, Abraham at that time is 99 years old. So I'm guessing it appears he's maybe 85, 84. So this thing's been going on now roughly 10 years. And he's like, I'm looking forward, God. What's going on? Anybody ever been there? Like, can you just do something, Lord? Like, I'm looking forward, but and not much is moving. So I'm trying to hold on to what you're saying. Genesis 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Oh, there's just so much there. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your very great what? But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless in a state of hopelessness? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Woo! God talking smack. <laughs> then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as what? A spread. Lord, I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of your spirit and power. I want to come, Lord, with a way that you would be seen and you would be glorified and you would be magnified. And the only way that's going to happen is if you move. And so, God, we sang such powerful songs. I mean, anthems that just talk about the victory in Jesus in the Trinity. I'm praying today that you would give us hope in you as we look forward to what you're doing. So, Lord, I'm praying that as you move, Lord, I pray that you would be exalted mightily that you'd be high and lifted up. You are a prayer. You are our heart's cry. You are our longing. There's nothing that can satisfy but Jesus. So Lord, let the words of, the, of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our rock, our redeemer, we hold on to you. We love you and we praise you. And we thank you that you have forgiven us of our sins and we acknowledge our sins, but we acknowledge that the grace in Jesus is greater. In his name we pray and all the saints said what? All right, so we're looking for something to hold us. So here, what's going to hold us in our walk and looking forward. Here it is. What's going to hold us in our walk is we look forward, as we look forward, is renewing the covenant that God has made. That is why we're having the Lord's Supper today, is we're renewing the covenant. The very moment that you and I feel weak, that's the moment we press into his strength. Tracking me? You always press into him. The weaker we are, the stronger he becomes, right? For my grace is sufficient, right? Because in our, in our weakness, he is made strong. The more we're weak, the stronger 
he has seen and he has felt. And so that's why he told King David, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. So looking forward means renewing the covenant made with us in Jesus. So we will trust him more than what we face, than what we feel, and than what we think. Only Jesus can hold it together. Colossians 1. He is the image of the what? The firstborn over all creation. 117. In Jesus, in him, he holds all things together. We might look that something might hold us together, but nothing will hold us like Jesus. So now, he renews this covenant. And I want you to see something. He renews this covenant. Looking forward in our renewal. In our renewal means not just hearing the word of God. Here's what I want us to move into. This is what God began to do something. Abraham I wish I had time to be theological. You know at this moment, this is where Abraham moved as a prophet. Did you know that? This is the very moment in Abraham's life that he moved to a prophet. He moved and became a prophet. And all the Old Testament scholars point to this passage as a place where Abraham moved prophetically as a prophet. Why? In Genesis 12, God made a covenant with him on grace. With grace. If you read this whole chapter, God now renews his covenant with him in a sacrifice. Well, watch what happens. Genesis 15:1. Oh, this is good. This is rich. After this, the word of the Lord. What's the next word? What does it say there? I'm sorry. Now, after these things, the word of the Lord, what? Amen. To Abraham in a what? Amen. He didn't just here, God, he, prophet. His relationship with God changed. His relationship with God was forever and ever changed because he didn't just hear the word that spoke to his heart. God showed it. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. If you want to grow in the Lord, here's what's going to happen. God's word spoke to my heart and I ran to him because I knew that I was broken and actually, he ran to me because I was too broken to even run. Let me get right. But here's what's happening. When I moved in him, when I said yes to him, here's what happened, Seth. When I moved in him, all of a sudden, God began to not only speak to me, God began to show me. When you press into the Lord, God doesn't just begin to speak to you. God begins to show you his work like he did with your adoption, like he did with your job, how everything just fell into place. And all this stuff, I mean, I can't wait for you to testify. You know, Chris, about how God, so many of you have great test, right? How you not only sense the word of God, but you've seen the word of God. I'm not sitting here saying that God has appeared to you in some anthropomorphic way. That is a fancy theological term that God's appeared to you as a human. But what I am saying to you is you've seen the hand of God work things out in your life that you could never do it. Come on, somebody. You know I'm telling the truth. That is what, I mean, this is what's powerful. Remind, see, what happens when we see Jesus, he reminds us he's holding it all together. The future that you're confused about, Jesus has got it together. And what happens, Satan wants us to move into the confusion and try and make it right. And so we get into job situations, relationship situations, money situations. And all it does is bring, come on, more confusion than when it began. That's how Satan works. 
comes as an angel of light. Oh, this is a great opportunity. And now we're more confused than we ever were before. Right? Tell the truth, shame the devil. Sometime today, we got to open up to the Lord and say, God, I'm hearing your word. Now just show me. Just show me. And here's what happens. I want to remind you of three things. I want to try and go fast because i got so much to do and so little time. Woo, it'll be a miracle, Kevin Chafin, if I get through this. But here's what I want us to remind you. When we see Jesus holding things together for us, and it, this might be how God holds things together for you. You might have favor that you never expected. And it might come through this. Oh, you walked over here, you're talking to somebody, and somebody comes up here and says, you know, I just want to tell you, I was in a conversation over there, and somebody was bragging on you. That's Jesus. Because there's none righteous. No, not one. But that's the favor of God. Abraham trusted God by his grace. His grace in Genesis 12 come to him and said, man, I'm going to bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. I'm going to make in your seed is going to be nations that will come. And the promised Messiah in Genesis 3 will be coming through you. And Abraham just said, yes, he surrendered. But then as he began to walk 10 years later, the word of the Lord now became the presence of the Lord. God began to speak to him moment in a prophetic way. And I pray that God will speak to you in a prophetic way. Uh, lately, I've been, been accused of charismatic. I, I'm not charismatic in my theology, but I am charismatic in my expression. And I will be me or what the Lord led me to be. So how? So reminder number one, seeing Jesus replaces fear. Oh, if I just had time. Look at this. Look at this. Verse one. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Sometimes God just has to show up in our lives. Right? Not saying his word is not enough, but I'm just saying sometimes we love the fulfillment of his word. And so God said, you might not have a child, but I am still here. And what I said, I will do. I am still. Oh, gosh, if I just had time. Do not be afraid, Abram, he said. Listen, what's powerful about this, he's telling him, do not be afraid because fear will keep us from seeing God at work. Oh, if I, mm, all right, I'm going to try and do it. I'm going to try and do it. This is, my, this is my professor in me coming out for one moment, okay? But if you can wrap your mind around it, if the Holy Spirit will open to it, I promise you'll change your life. So this is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. Abrahamic covenant, man, is that it was received nothing but by faith, right? It was by faith. It was by faith that God told Abraham, you people, we're going to raise you up and you're going to be a kingdom of priests. Think about the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, I, I love, I had um, Evan Wood come and speak to my survey Old Testament class. Some of you students recognize the name. And he's a, really a disciple of Peter Link. And Peter Link is a disciple of John Selhammer. <laughs> Even though he didn't split. And John Selhammer is a, he died. John Selhammer was a professor at the seminary that I went to and where Peter went to as well. And, and I was telling you about his son. His son had um, severe mental challenges and his son would sit on the front row every time we had worship. And I've never seen a, a, a man with that many challenges worship the Lord that hard. And it wasn't just like, oh, let's feel sorry for him because he's uh, mentally challenged. Let's, let's, let's not feel sorry for him because he, there was a chromosome uh, problem. Let's, let's, I mean, you actually saw the worship and heart of a man longing for Jesus, longing that one day, even though what he's experiencing, he will not experience that way forever because God will make everything right. So I asked Evan to come and got to share a little bit. The Abrahamic covenant, there was no laws in the Abrahamic covenant, was it? 
Not one. When he lost, I come to you, Abraham. I come to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm coming to you. There are no laws. Here, what's interesting, and he said that all Israel would be called to be priests. He was going to raise up all of Israel to be a priesthood. They would be priests. What's interesting is that all Abraham had to do was just trust God. Just trust him. That's all it is with Jesus, right? It's just trust him. And we're all raised up as priests. First uh, Peter chapter 2, right? We're a royal priesthood. Every one of us in this room are priests. According to scripture, we take God to man and man to God. Every one of us. There are no laws. We're all priests. It's just trust. And we're supposed to worship God in his presence. Look what he got to do. He began to worship the Lord. Y'all know in many ways he worshiped the Lord. We're going to get to the point where he's going to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. I mean, think about it. There's all these ways. Abraham's life was just a source of worship. Uh, I'm going to obey and go where you go. Right now, I just don't understand. I've just come out of this great victory. I just gave 10% of the spoil to Melchizedek, who is king of peace, who's the representation of Jesus Christ and is this, as this high priest. And all of a sudden, he has all these goods, all this power, all this fame, all this refuge that he has to go to. And he's still broken hearted because he needs something to hold him together. And Jesus is going to show him. With the fulfillment of promises coming because the depth of his heart is, who's going to get to all this? I have nobody. You keep promising me, but I don't see the fruition of it. You keep promising me, God, that you got somebody for me. You keep promising, God, that you're going to use me for your glory. You keep promising me that there's a purpose, that there's a plan. You keep promising me, but listen, he's going to do that. But here's what happened. In the Mosaic coming, Exodus 19, we've got to hurry. Oh, gosh, I'm just, Kevin, I'm booking. All right, the next, next book, Genesis, then Exodus. Exodus 19. Some of you already know this, right? Raleigh used to be able to pontificate this in a great way, That's, right? Because you've learned all this. It's just I'm just giving you simple. People don't teach this stuff anymore. They don't teach it from the pulpit. The Abrahamic covenant was what it was supposed to be. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us. Come to me all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But look at Exodus 19. So they're at the foot of the mountain, and the people have a chance to be a kingdom of priests. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, you're going to forgive me. Uh, Exodus, Exodus um, 19. Look at verse uh, 5. Look at verse 5. 19, 5. You there? Say amen. So I'll know. All right, good. Here we go. Verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all, my, all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a what? What? He told them right there as he tells them, listen, you've come to the mountain. You've come to Mount Sinai. You've come out of Egypt. And here we are. This is the whole plan. You're to move into me. It's like the fruition of Abraham. You're going to be near the nation. You're the nation that can come into my presence so you can release my presence so people will know that there's a God. They're us. They're us. So they're at the mountain of God. God's getting ready to give the Ten Commandments. Some scholars say they even heard him giving the Ten Commandments. And what did they do when they were invited into the presence of God? What did they do? Look at Exodus 19. This is so amazing. Verse 16. On the morning on the third day, Jesus... There was thunder and lightning, right? 
Psalm 97. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. I'm quoting the psalm. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. And all peoples, all peoples will see his glory. This was it. This was the moment of transformation. Third day, three days, consecrate yourself. Woo! Come on. Foreshadowing of Jesus. Third day he rose from the grave. Up from the grave he rose. That was, that was your song there. I'm just, Maddie, I'm just singing that for you. All right, so, just kidding. On the morning, on the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Notice 1 Thessalonians 4, there'll be a trumpet blast when Jesus comes back. Notice the trumpets in Revelation. So there's this, can you imagine, there's this fire on Mount Sinai. There's this thick clouds. If you go to Mount Sinai, just Google it if you want to right now. You can take out your phones, I don't care. And you Google it right now and you can see the top of the mountain is all burnt. About that deep is all burnt at the top of the mountain. But here's what interesting you say, well, that's, that's a volcano, really? Well, then how come when they dug deep, there's no, there's no uh, seared rock? It's only burnt at the top. You look at it yourself. A bunch of clerics hide it, and it's hard to get up there to it. Everyone in the camp did what? What's it say? In a very loud trumpet blast, everyone, this is verse 16. Everyone in the camp did what? This is a, your, your Bible... If you read it as a whole, you will see at this moment, that's where they rejected God. They had a chance to go into the presence of God and fear. And fear <laughs> kept the people away. In fact, it kept them away. Let's keep reading so much that they're just going to say, Moses, we can't take the voice of the Lord. We are scared. Because when we hear the voice of the Lord, it exposes our sin. And we know that in front of God, when as our sin is exposed, something has to. I'll keep reading. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Can you imagine the fire and this trumpet noise, this continued trumpet noise? And it gets louder and louder and louder. That's what it is to teach us of the power of God to hide. Not only the trumpet hides his voice, but it also announces his voice. And the clouds hide his presence. And the fire of his holiness is in front. What a scary but awesome sight for us one day. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow. Because God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from the smoke of the furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, spoke and the voice of God Answer him. The people hear, but because they were afraid, they rejected. Exodus 20. I don't have time this morning. Oh, sweet Jesus. Exodus 20, verses 18 through 21. So he gives them, what does he do? He gives them the Ten Commandments. God says, here's the commandments. But he knows he, knows he has to give the commandments because they're going to reject him. Because they're not going to live by faith. They want to live by all the works. Law. I'm a good person. That's law language. Oh, I'm a good person. I don't sin like John. 
That's law language. You want to live by the law? You die by the law. You want to live by your own definition of grace? You die. But God has called everybody in this room to a place that we don't want to go outside the spirit of God. Do you think for one moment it'd be much easier for me to pastor some church that ain't as wild as y'all? Yes. But God calls us to live on the edge. That's why he called you here. Live on the edge. Your whole life you're going to live on the edge. If you walk with Jesus, just face it, you're going to live on the edge. And that's why God says, let me bring somebody in your life that will push you to live more on the edge. Your spouse should not push you to be saved. Your spouse should push you in the presence of Jesus. And said, I'll go with you. Where you go, I will go. And where you die. I like that language. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountains and smoke, this is right after the Ten Commandments, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance. This is rejecting people. This is rejecting God. Oh, if I had some theological time. And said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die because the voice of the Lord exposed the sin of the people. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that uh, the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance. Instead of looking forward, they stayed in the past. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. They had a chance to move into the presence of God and they rejected. And so God gives the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law is not a new law. It's not like, oh, the people failed, so now i got to go to plan B. No, he knew this Abrahamic law was a law based on faith. Abraham was called, you just read in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as what? Right, so, which means he's right with God. Before any law ever came, Abraham was right. But it took faith. And then all of a sudden, the people that rejected him said, God said, okay, you want to reject me? But here's how the faithless are going to live. The faithless are going to have to live by the law. But you know what's beautiful about Jesus? When I'm faithless, he is faithful. And he also was the perfect fulfillment of the law. He became everything that I could not become. He fulfilled the Abrahamic and the Mosaic. And that's why we have a new covenant. That's why Ezekiel says, I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Jeremiah 31, 33 talks about and says, I will make a new covenant with my people. I'm going to paraphrase all this. And I'm going to take out the hardness of their heart and they will want me. They'll be my people and I will be their God. They can forever be in my presence. Open heaven. Jesus baptized. Heaven opens. Spirit descends as a dove. We have an open heaven because of Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit is not far off. He is with us now, sealed. We can go to the presence of God. But see what, what happened to them. When they went to the Mosaic Law, what happened? God went from being on this mountain, beautiful and great, right? He went to this beautiful mountain. This is beautiful. He had, they, had, they could go and hear the voice of the God. When it, when it says in Hebrew, the Hebrew idiom there is, when it says face to face, it literally means mouth to mouth. I speak, Gary hears. Gary speaks, I hear. God was in this beautiful place where there was no boundaries. There was nothing. They could just go. And because they rejected, what did God have to live in? A little itty-bitty tabernacle tent with a little itty-bitty holy of holies 
with a big tent around it with washings and sacrifice in front of it. And, they, and the priest could only go in once a year. And so God was now refined to the people in a very little way because they rejected him because only a very little amount of the people trusted him. And instead of being a kingdom of priests, there was only the tribe of Levi. Is anybody clicking today? Is it clicking? Is it making sense? Do you see what Jesus did? Do you see what he did for us? He became the sacrifice. And that's what happened. Now the word of the Lord became real. He saw God at work. Abraham saw God at work. He saw it. And it would strengthen the covenant that he made. And he said, though I haven't seen the fulfillment, God, I will trust you for the fulfillment. Why? Because look at verse 1. And I'm just going to cut it short because we run out of time. I didn't get past one point. And I had two more. And... There's a lot. <laughs> Genesis 15. I got to turn over there. I was so excited. Genesis 15, verse 1. He says, I am your what? Genesis 15, 1. Look what it says. Fear not, Abram. Reminder. When Jesus is your strength. When Jesus is your strength. When you look forward in Jesus. Fear. Exodus 19 language does not bottle up God. Fear is replaced by the fear of the Lord. I would rather trust God and bomb than sit here in safety. Come on. I would rather, I fear the Lord so much, I'd rather obey him than obey me. So fear's gone. Abram, I am your shield. That word for shield is sovereignty. Do you see that God is in control? Whenever you're worried, whenever you need a defense, whenever you need somebody, God is in control. And the last thing is, your reward shall be very great. It, it's translated this. God is our reward. And he exceeds anything that you can ask or imagine for your life. I just don't have time to unpack it. But you have time to press in. And so today I'm going to ask you if you come play over I did pretty good, Kevin. It's 958. I'm pretty good. <laughs> no, it's the Lord. I, I have so much. I, I had so much to show you about God's presence. I had so much to show you about omni-temporal, which you don't even know about. It's a shame. Pastors don't preach it. Professors don't teach it. <laughs> omni-temporal. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. You haven't even heard it. What I want to let you know today Omnitemporal is that God is in every moment with you. You and I have free will to reject Him, but it does not reject the foreknowledge of God because He's in that moment, 10 minutes from now, knowing if I'm going to make a right turn or a left turn. He's also in that moment, but He's also in this moment. So, does He know what I'm going to do? Yes. And is He with me in that moment when a child is raped? of the word of God. In the beginning was the word, right? And the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. We have the word of God, but we also have the showing of God in Jesus. Fear not. Jesus is with you. Fear not. Jesus is your shield 
fear not. Jesus is our exceedingly great reward. Our reward is not in the job. It's not in the finances. It's in the person of Jesus, Genesis 15.1. The reward is his presence. And so today, God is showing us. Be reminded to look forward. Be reminded to look forward. And it is in Christ that we will hold all things together by his presence. I'm going to try and explain that more at 11. So if you want to come back, come on. Because i got a lot more to go over. So 1 Corinthians 11, this is how we practice the Lord's Supper Sunday. We practice what we call open communion. There's open and closed communion. Closed communion is for people that are only church members, right? Uh, if you go to a, a church that's, that's, I mean, straight up about Jesus, some churches have what they call closed communion, where only the members can take it. We do not practice that. Why? Because we're convinced in Christ and convicted by the Holy Spirit that we're not going to turn any Christian away from the Lord's Supper. You say, but John, what if they're not a believer and they don't really understand? Then my question is, if you say, okay, well, if that's the case, John, you're just condemning them to hell. Well, if they're already going to hell, what hell am I going to send them to? Hell number one? Hell number two? Hell number three? I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's my point. My point is that I'm not, we're not going to turn anybody away from taking the Lord's Supper. If you haven't been baptized, salvific. The thief on the cross was not baptized. But what he, what he did, he was baptized in the presence of God. Jesus said, today you'll be with me. First Corinthians 11. Let's take this as a celebration. So what we do is we come up in groups, right? Eric, you know what I'm talking about? We come up in groups. There's, there's some off to the side, some in the front. There's one there in the back, one over there in the front. And you can get in groups. Don't take it along. Somebody read this passage in First Corinthians 11, 23 and following. Pray, take it together. Then we come back to our seats and we say, 1 Corinthians 11, 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, Eucharisteo, Eucharist, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, right? The fulfillment of Abrahamic and Mosaic and Christ, new covenant, new testament, Winner, winner, chicken dinner. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then he teaches us how to examine ourselves. We don't want to come to it and not say, God, let me, let me examine my heart. That's why he says in verse 30, this is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we are more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in way by the Lord and we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned. So we spend time confessing, repenting, making things right. That's a beautiful life. This ought to be joyous and celebratory. But it also is a holy moment. So tonight, I'm excuse me, today as we enter into this presence of the Lord, I pray that you spend time in this passage. Examine your heart, confess your sins, make it right with you. Your spirit, 
pray as we take this Lord's Supper that we would examine our hearts. Is there any sin in our heart or life? We just want to ask for forgiveness. Though we give already forgiveness, but we acknowledge. So Lord, we want to pray right now that if we've wronged any brother or sister or anyone and tell us to live in peace when it's possible with all men, want to try and make that right? And so Lord, I pray that this Lord's Supper would be a reminder that God didn't just speak. God showed up. And he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that by looking forward, we are reminded in Jesus Christ that whatever we face,